What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Let's face it, dealing with infertility and miscarriage can take a toll on our mental health. And when we're paying so much money to successfully start our family, we usually look for any way to save. I've partnered with BetterHelp, an online counseling service that matches you with a licensed professional therapist based on your therapy needs and goals. And they're giving Life After Miscarriage listeners 10% off their first month when you sign up through betterhelp.com L-A-M. That's betterhelp.com lamb. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. We have Kelly Templeman on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Kelly, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like with your story. All right. Um, So my husband and I met in 2011, um, and we got married in 2013. We always said we wanted to be married a couple of years before we had any kids, And then we just kind of kept putting it off. Like we wanted to have better careers and we wanted to buy a house. Um, And then finally in April of 2019, we decided we were ready. And so I went ahead and bought the OPKs and started tracking my cycle and learning how it all worked to figure out when I ovulated. And I did end up getting pregnant pretty quickly in June of 2019 and we were super excited. We went ahead and told everybody in our families even though it was really early and I already had the mindset that we would tell them even if I had a miscarriage so I figured we would just go ahead and tell them early so that they could be excited too. I wasn't having any symptoms except for being really tired And I was just hoping that I was one of the lucky ones to not have any nausea. And I scheduled my first appointment for eight weeks. And I was really careful about everything I ate and everything I did. And at about six weeks, I had a little bit of blood when I went to the bathroom. And so I started Googling it and looking up signs of miscarriage because I had a little bit of cramping also. But, you know, all of that can be really normal. And I remember mentioning Miss Miscarriage to my husband. And, like, what if that happens to us? And he just tried to reassure me that it would be okay even if, even if that did happen. And so, finally, my first appointment came up. And we got to the ultrasound room. And since I was still really early, they did an internal ultrasound. And I had been really excited to go to the appointment up until it was time to actually go to the appointment. And that's when I started getting really anxious about it. And my husband was there with me and the tech didn't really say anything during the ultrasound. And she just was clicking around and taking a bunch of measurements. And I couldn't really tell what was going on on the screen or, you know, I didn't know what I was looking at. 
and I was too afraid of getting bad news to ask her what was going on. And she finished up the ultrasound and said she would take us back to the exam room to talk to the doctor. And at this point, we didn't know anything, but I still had a little bit of hope since they always tell you they're not supposed, the texts are not supposed to tell you anything. Even though it really didn't seem normal to me to not get to see like the heartbeat or something. And so I, I kind of knew something was not right. And so by the time we got back to the exam room, it, you know, I just knew it wasn't good. The doctor came in and said, I'm sorry, there was no heartbeat. And she said that I had a missed miscarriage. And then she asked me if I'd ever been told that I had a bicornet uterus. And she explained to me that my uterus was almost completely divided into two parts. And it explained that I actually had a pregnancy on both sides. And one baby didn't make it past implantation and the other baby had passed at about six and a half weeks. She said that I would be considered high risk in my next pregnancy, but miscarriages are common. It wasn't my fault, and I would likely have a good outcome with my next pregnancy, even with the bicornet uterus. And she gave me my options since I had a missed miscarriage. Um, she said I could wait it out for my body to recognize the miscarriage or take mesoprostol to force it or have a DNC. And she didn't really recommend the DNC since I had the bicornet uterus um, because she said it could puncture and cause more issues. And so I opted to take the misoprostol. And I actually waited two weeks after that appointment to take the misoprostol because I really wanted my body to do it on its own. And I, would not recommend waiting because that was the most miserable two weeks of my life because I was just constantly waiting for something to start happening. And it, it was just too much. And then the experience taking misoprostol was pretty awful. It was very painful. And I had spent a lot of time watching videos on YouTube and listening to this podcast to get all the information I could to be prepared. But, you know, nothing really prepares you for what actually happens. And it's kind of horrifying when it does happen. And I had what I could only describe as contractions when I actually lost the sack. So that was just so crazy to me. I just was not expecting that to happen. And after my follow-up a couple weeks later, I was really ready to get pregnant as soon as possible. I just thought if I can get pregnant right away, like everything will be okay. And, you know, we all know it doesn't really work like that, but you know, I was really hoping that it would happen again pretty quick and we could just put the miscarriage behind us. Um, my cycles were kind of crazy for a couple of months, so I didn't really use the OPKs. 
And in January of 2020, I found that I was pregnant for the second time. And I was really nervous, but we still told a few family members, but we didn't make as big of a deal about it as last time, just because we were still nervous about it. And so I scheduled my appointment for seven weeks this time, you know, just a week earlier than last time. And I started having a little bit of spotting at about five and a half weeks. So the doctor put me on pelvic rest and February 19th was my first appointment. And I just really didn't feel good about it. I was really afraid of miscarrying again. And I went to the appointment with my husband and it was the same thing all over again. I had another missed miscarriage with this baby. And I, again, opted for the musoprostol because I was still scared of a DNC. And I kept thinking about the cost of the DNC surgery. And I really wanted to save that money for a baby. And my second time with misoprostol was not quite as bad as the first. And I think part of that was because I knew what was coming. And so this time my doctor said she would send me to a maternal fetal medicine doctor and that she could possibly help me. And uh, my doctor had run a few blood tests before that and she said they all came back normal except I had antibodies that were slightly elevated. Um, and then COVID hit. And so office was closed and I didn't get to see the maternal fetal medicine until May. And that visit actually ended up being telemedicine. And so she didn't actually see me or do any ultrasounds. I did go in for blood work um, because she suggested a thyroid test. And she was really positive that we would have no issues going forward. And, you know, it would be, all be great. Um, my thyroid test did come back a little bit abnormal, just showing the thyroid antibodies. So they said that I would just be put on a low dose thyroid medication when I got pregnant again. And the high risk doctor would see me at 12 weeks, you know, in between my regular OB. And so we started trying again and I got pregnant right away. And I, at this point, I felt like I had to kind of beg my OB to see me early. The schedulers didn't want to schedule me before seven or eight weeks because they kept telling me that she's not going to do an ultrasound. So you don't need to come in that early. And so that was kind of frustrating. And so I, I finally got through to her medical assistant and they were able to schedule me a little bit earlier. And so they scheduled me for five weeks so that she could, you know, make sure everything was going okay and put me on thyroid medication. And so I went in for my first appointment and they could see the sac 
and said everything looked great and my HCG was rising correctly. I did have a little bit of spotting and I was put on pelvic rest again. Um, but they said they would see me again at seven weeks. And so at the seven week appointment, my husband could not come in with me because of the COVID restrictions. And they also didn't let me FaceTime him. So I went in totally by myself and he waited in the parking lot. And I really didn't expect any good news going into this appointment because it's, you know, it had always been bad. And again, I was diagnosed with a mis miscarriage. And at this point, I just didn't really understand how my body kept miscarrying at the same gestation each time for six and a half weeks. And my body was not recognizing what was happening. And so my doctor gave me another prescription for misoprostol. And at this point, she finally referred me out to a fertility clinic to see a reproductive endocrinologist because at this point, you know, I'm textbook recurrent pregnancy loss. And, you know, I had thought previously that I had a septate uterus, which, you know, does cause miscarriages and it can look kind of similar to a bicornet uterus on an ultrasound screen. But I didn't really question my doctor because I, I trusted her. So I thought, well, she knows she would have me do extra testing if she thought it was a septate uterus. And so at the end of July, I was finally able to schedule the appointment with the RE. And she took one look at the ultrasound and said, I don't think, I don't think you have a bicornet uterus. I think you have a septum. And so she ran a bunch of blood tests and carrier screening upon me and my husband. And I ended up having an MRI a few weeks later that confirmed the septum. And all of my blood panels came back normal, except for like a slight abnormality in clotting, which she just recommended the baby aspirin. And as far as the septum, um, it was really small, she said, so she wouldn't normally be concerned, but since I had recurrent loss, we decided it was best to just remove it since it was likely a factor in my losses. And so I had the septum resection in September and going forward, I'm just tracking my cycles. I just finished a round of estradiol. They put me on in on after surgery and next cycle should be the first one that I'll ovulate. Um, we're not using any fertility meds yet except for progesterone support after ovulation and that's kind of where we're at going forward. Okay, so that's, I mean, as weird as this sounds, that's good news, right? Like, yes, <laughs> having to have surgery, yes. but yeah, it's good news. Because <laughs> uh, now, hopefully, you have some answers. And right. I, right. moving forward, I would think that that would give you some peace of mind. 
Uh, yes. Which It'll is be super a, nice. A different situation next time. Yes. Oh, that's so awesome. I would say like game plans are everything on this journey. So I'm really happy that you have one. Yes. Yes. Um, thank you so much for doing this. I always ask at the end of every episode, if you have one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Um, I mean, I mean, mine's kind of specific. So I would say if your doctor diagnoses you with any sort of uterine anomaly, like make them confirm it before Mm -hmm. you go through multiple losses. Like, because we could have solved this, you know, after my first one, when they, you know, if they had realized it was a septum rather than bicornet. Yeah. It's crazy to me that most doctors don't do testing until three losses because like, what if something could be prevented? You know what I mean? Like, right. Oh, it just drives me nuts. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm really happy that you did get some answers and um, you'll have to keep us posted moving forward. If somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? Um, Instagram is great. I don't post a whole lot, but I'm on there a lot. Okay. You're there. You're, so, you don't post yes. a lot, but you're there. Okay. I'm there. Cool. Awesome. You guys reach out. That's what this podcast is all about is just building those connections in the community. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. I, I so course. appreciate it. I know everybody listening appreciates it as well. And I, I have my fingers crossed for you. <laughs> and my hair and my toes and everything else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. Just